friends, and welcome to season two of the Love You More podcast. I am Jennifer McDaniel, your hostess, and I have a very special guest today, one of my friends, Patty Cashman, who is a licensed therapist. She has been working with individuals, couples, and, and group counseling in our St. Louis area for over 30 years. I would actually have and love to have Patty be my own therapist, <laughs> except for she's my friend. So she can't be. And that really stinks because I still can't find a good therapist, Patty. <laughs> well, you've never actually had me as a therapist. So you don't know about that feedback that you've given me. <laughs> well, I know you as a person. And, um, and I also know other people that you've worked with. And anyway, that all being said, we're really lucky to have Patty here with us today. And the topic is about receiving feedback. Um, it is hard to receive feedback. It is something that I know my husband has told me that I'm not very good at doing. So this is a, is a personal workshop for me today in our podcast. But some of the things that we're going to talk about with Patty are um, why receiving feedback is hard and to sort of understand that for ourselves better. Because when we understand why something is hard for us, it makes it easier for us to get better at it. Um, and then we're going to also learn how to be a better listener or, or, or a better receiver of feedback. And, um, and then maybe just how it applies in other areas of our lives. So that's where we're going today. So um, we are going to start off with a question for Patty related to how receiving feedback is also about self-care because Love You More podcast is about self-care. So what's the relationship, Patty, between good, being a good receiver of feedback and how we care for ourselves? Well, we receive feedback constantly every day from a variety of sources, whether we want it or not. And so, it, you know, it's so fundamental to our life and how we learn and learning to engage it skillfully, receiving feedback well helps us grow and improve. And it also helps our relationships grow and improve. Yeah. So I think that's, yeah. you know, such a source of valuable information and it's so easy to discount. Right. I think it's something too, that we just take for granted. Like I've never really thought about how I receive feedback. I've just received it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And so to think that it can be a skill, it can be something that we can get better at. And I think when we do it right, we feel better about ourselves. I know that when I get defensive or, or when I like move into uh, resent or even sadness, like that experience doesn't feel well, but to feel like I'm really skillful at receiving feedback would feel empowering. And um, self-care is also just about being aware of our everyday feelings and our emotions and getting that feedback. And so, I don't know, I just think it would feel good to be good at this. I think you're absolutely right. And it's proven in the research that people like people more who are good at it. They, they like to be around them. They like to work with them. They like to collaborate with them. They think they're funnier. They like their sense of humor. They trust them more. Yeah. Uh, so it really does improve our relationships and our ability to collaborate with it, whether it's with our parents or our spouse or our children uh, we tend to look at it as negative. And even there, I'm going to ask you and our listeners to think of it uh, just as we think of positive feedback as positive. I'd like you to just think of all of it as in 
information, valuable information. Yeah. You've taught me to do that with feelings, right? That there's not necessarily good, good feelings or bad feelings. These feelings are just informative. And I think that that's been very helpful um, in my framework. And this is also something that we can apply that to. And when we come to a conversation with someone with that mindset, man, I think it flows so much more easily because now they're not talking to a brick wall. They're talking to someone who can be open-minded through the conversation. And of course, that's someone that you would rather hang out with than a brick wall. Like I get when my husband says, um, Jennifer, is there something, can I, or he never calls me Jennifer, babe, <laughs> can, I talk, can I talk to you about something? And then my, you know, the. I can, I can feel it inside my body that no, no, you can't talk to me about something. I don't want to talk to you about something. So let's move into that. Why is it so hard? Why is our initial response to someone coming and either just giving us feedback or asking if they can give us feedback? Why is that tough? A couple of reasons. The first reason is that we have a basic need to be loved and accepted for who we are. And the conflict is that we also have another very strong need inside of us to learn and to grow. And feedback helps us learn and and grow, but it often feels like it's rejecting of some part of who we are. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, and I said there were two major reasons. The other one is that your history of receiving feedback comes into play very directly. Whatever your history is, and I really implore people to look at not just their parents. Of course, that was a a powerful source of feedback, but also their teachers, their coaches, their siblings, their cousins, people that affected your sense of self and who you were. Because often people remember the most painful things, um, particularly people who have been bullied, uh, they, it has been so harmful, so painful for them that in my practice, I find people don't even want to talk about it. If they say they were bullied and I ask them how, tell me, you know, people call me names, what did they call you? They don't even want to say it. It's like if they say it, it'll make it true or I'll think that of them. Mm-hmm. And it, you know, it shapes our identity. And so we, we have a tendency, if we weren't given feedback in a very informational, uh, helpful way, which most of us weren't, um, we develop a fear of it. And, yeah. and the fear is, I don't want to feel shame. Well, who does? It scares us. Mm-hmm. That's why we so often reject it. We have a lot of fear about taking something in that may back us into a shame corner. Yeah. I mean, that makes a lot of sense when you think about 44 years old and I've been receiving feedback from people who aren't very good at giving it for thus long. (laughs) My, my initial response is an initial response of protection. It's Mm -hmm. trying to protect myself. It's also, I can definitely resonate with the fact that I want to feel loved for exactly who I am. And when you're giving me feedback, that feels like that's not true. And, and we know that's not true, right? Because we don't feel that way about other people. We, you know, uh, we recorded this podcast earlier and we're redoing it. And we both gave each other feedback about how we needed to improve it this time. Right. And so that doesn't mean that I love Patty any less, or she loves me any less. No, Um, I didn't feel a slam against myself worth either. I, for me, 
feedback is valuable information, but sometimes even in my closest relationships, uh, I find myself leaking some nonverbals that indicate that I'm not seeing it as so valuable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What does that look like when leaking nonverbals? What does that mean? Oh, like I roll my, I'm a big eye roller. I roll my eyes. I sigh. Um, I might, I might say, because I know you're supposed to say, thank you. Tell me more, but it could sound like this. Thanks. So, uh, tell me more about that. Yeah. Uh, a sarcastic little ring to it. Now um, I don't do that with professional relationships ever. I have a lot of practice soliciting feedback, taking it in, no matter how harsh it is, I tell them, here's a place where you do not have to fear giving me feedback. If you're angry about something I said, I want to hear it. Tell me. Mm -hmm. um, You can get better because even though I'm pretty touchy in some interpersonal, personal relationships, I've gotten really good at uh, working with clients and it was just because I wanted to, because I saw how important and powerful it was as a role model for them to have that experience of getting angry appropriately with someone and having someone welcome, tell me, pull more out. And how did that make you feel? And what impact did it have on a relationship? I really want to know. Yeah. Well, and I think it- what I'm hearing is that you, it's, there's, there's going to be certain people that are more triggering to receive feedback from others. Some areas in our lives, we're really good at it. Maybe in our professional life, it's easier because maybe we've had more practice. Maybe it's been safer, but relationships might be more challenging. So that's something to be aware of. The other thing that I think I've heard you say is that even if people aren't good at giving feedback, it doesn't mean there's not something there that we can take away from it. Is that correct? Absolutely. Most of the feedback we get is poorly timed, unasked for, often unwanted. Uh, It's from people that maybe we don't have the best relationship with, or we wonder what their motives are. It comes from all kinds of directions. And you don't want to get defensive about information that could be incredibly valuable. We We have a tendency to get defensive and push back. We say, yeah, but, and instead I want you to think of just one kind of visual of pulling, pulling information out of the person, wanting to get the whole story, getting all the details. Tell me more, like you're a reporter and you want to get the whole story. You don't want to leave any detail behind. Tell me more. Yeah. No, excuse my sneeze. That just happened. <laughs> um, I was really trying hard to hold that in, but that was not working. Um, yeah. Okay. So, so you're now moving into how we can be better at receiving feedback. So let me check my, my list here that I was writing down. First, you have to be kind of curious about what they're saying. You want to pretend like you're a reporter trying to receive as much information, which is really that could be that could be hard. I think that's going to take practice because I might not want to know much more, but I but asking more questions and really seeing if you can understand. So that that makes a lot of sense. Um, uh, now, 
we touched a little bit on this, maybe like some people are harder to receive feedback from others. Is that what you were referring to when you talk about knowing your triggers, knowing your triggers can help us be better at receiving feedback? What are the triggers we're talking about here? Yeah. And we all get triggered in a variety of ways, but there are three main ways that we get triggered. Let's talk. Tell me real quick. Triggered is like, um, um, you might have a really strong feeling towards something. Is that kind of when we say that, is that what we're referring to? It's, it's what triggers are obstacles to you getting the story. They shut you down. They make you freeze or deny or defend. Okay. And so, uh, Emmett, if we don't know our triggers and we can't spot them, we end up making mistakes and either throwing valuable information away or maybe taking it all in when it should have been left at the curb, you know? Meaning uh, you're like uh, taking it all in, like you're, um, you're, you're starting to internalize it. You're starting to really think that about yourself when in reality, that's not something that you should have started letting happen. Right. And you're maybe exaggerating the importance of it or how global it is and, and just really dumping on yourself. That's, that's a possibility too. If you uh, are not mindful of your triggers and let's run through them quickly, feel free to stop me at any point. The first one is one that I get stuck on a lot because I'm kind of a stickler for the truth and it's truth triggers. So often I find myself, now I don't do this with clients, obviously, but in my personal relationships, I listen until I hear some part of the content that I see as wrong. It is not correct. So so I kind of back away from the whole thing and I stop the person and say, well, yeah, but this part is wrong. When really what we need to do is look for what is right. Look for what is right. Okay. And how you do that is understanding the feedback. It's key to that. And pulling, pulling more information out of the person. And even, even checking out with them. Where is this coming from? Are you trying to coach me on something? Are you giving me an evaluation? How, you know, tell me more. Yeah. Open, open up yourself to it. The second trigger... I'm, I, let, let me pause you. I'm wondering if it could be helpful to kind of like use an example, like, um, I don't know if this is a good one, but I'm going to, I'm going to throw two at you and then you can pick which one you want. So, uh, one time, well, P, okay. PJ told me, sorry to use this PJ, but I'm going to use you. So, um, my, my husband, so he's, he told me one time that I was messy. Like I, I'm a messy person, <laughs> which now I kind of stopped there. I mean, I was like kind of hurt because I'm like, I don't really feel like I am a messy person. Like I may have messy moments that that's one example. Okay. The other example was, um, I asked for feedback from our office managers and one of my office managers about leadership. I asked them like, how can I be a better leader of our company, of our team, of our dietitians? And she said, um, one thing that you could do is try not to be so reactive. Sometimes if we have like, you know, something um, of utmost importance happening. I get kind of reactive and I versus responding. So those are my two examples. Do you want to choose one of those? Uh, yeah. The, uh, the one that might be a truth trigger example is the one that, uh, about you being messy. Uh, <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> you don't see that as the truth. You see it as, uh, for him to call you a messy person mm-hmm. seems 
global, you, you see, I have my messy moments. And so you might ask him, you know, tell me more. Thanks for that feedback, PJ. Tell me more about how I'm a messy person. Give me some examples. Mm -hmm. I really want to hear this because, you know, I don't really like to be a messy person. So right. I'd like to know how it affects you too, PJ. Like what impact does it have on you? What do you feel inside when you see I've left a messy spot somewhere? Mm -hmm. So you, you lean into that. Okay. Um, wow. He would really be impressed with me if I did that. Okay. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> um, I think sometimes our truth triggers get, um, uh, affected when people use things like every time I want to invite my family over for dinner, I hear a big sigh come out of you. I just know that you don't want that and you're you feel negative about it. Okay. So what's, what gets triggered here? Every time you, you're saying, I don't want that. You can't read my mind. Don't speak for me. I, there are a lot of things here that could trip somebody up. Yeah. And instead, what you want to say is, okay, thanks for that feedback. Let's explore. Tell me more about your perception of me not wanting blah, blah, blah. You know where I'm going. Hang out with your in-laws. Done. Gotcha. <laughs> because there's probably something deeper there. Like okay. he wants for you to, I'm saying he, this isn't true about you, but I, this is a common argument I hear in my office. Every spouse wants their spouse to love their family almost as much as they do. They want them to see how great they are and how good this is to entertain and blah, blah, blah. And it's really hard for them to swallow that. Yeah, it's, it's what you want. It's not exactly really what I want. Mm -hmm. Um, but we, we do need to explore how it makes people feel when we feel rejecting of something like that. Yeah. Now, is that the relationship trigger? Is that like, I think that's, it depends on, you know, like if he, let's say he said every time that's a truth trigger. Okay. And if he said, you never want to have, never is also a truth trigger. You never want to have my family over. Well, he doesn't know what you ever want. So I'd say that all falls under the truth trigger. As you explore it, it may go into relationship triggers. Okay. Because so talk to us about relationship triggers then. Can that be applied to my I'm a messy person statement? Uh, yes, it could be because we... When we have a relationship trigger, it's obviously not just about the feedback. It's about the person giving the feedback. What is our relationship with them? What is the, our perception of them? Do we think they have good judgment? Do they have credibility? Do we trust them? What's our history together? Mm -hmm. I, I had a good friend um, who I spent a lot of time with over many years and what I noted in her, I, she had so many good qualities, but what I noted was whenever she was in conflict with someone, she took zero responsibility for the blame. Zero. It was always 100% the other person's problem. So when like my middle child. <laughs> <laughs> when she got into a conflict with me, I discounted 
the conflict. And I said, yeah, well, let's sit down and talk about it. But you own a piece of this. I should have known that that was, I mean, that was the worst thing I could have said to her because she's never done it in the past. And if I could have really done my good relationship, knowing that I was triggered because, because of our history, mm-hmm. delightful person never accepts blame. She's not going to accept it as soon as you shine the light on her. That's not going to happen, Patty. Those kind of things. You know, we may, we may question somebody's credibility. Say somebody who doesn't have any children starts giving you parenting tips. Mm, that's a good one. Okay. Yeah. Or, uh, I mean, sometimes feedback comes from a place where we think you don't have any expertise in that. But you have to open your mind and enlarge it and say, you know, sometimes really great feedback can come from unexpected sources. So I'd, I'd be best off to tune into this. Okay. Maybe. So so basically it's like you have to consider the source of your who's receiving feedback, but you're still not going to let that um, discount what you're hearing. You just have to sort of be aware of how you're judging that so- source. And you need to be like, I know I'm a stickler for truth triggers that I can get caught up in that. So I come into any feedback session with anybody knowing that that's where I'm likely to be triggered. Okay. That's, that's good to know. Like, yeah, one more, we have the third one is identity. What's that got to do? How do we get triggered that way? Well, it's not really about the content or, or really about, our relationship with a person, but it's about our sense of self, how we see ourselves. Mm-hmm. And if we begin questioning who we are, um, I said to a client once a very critical and important moment that um, you've been living your life out of integrity and it just clearly overshot everything else that was being said. And she thinks of herself as a person of great integrity and this and fairness and truth and all good things. She has many of those things. But in this one particular thing, she was not being that way. And uh, that created a huge obstacle in our relationship until we worked through it because it, it went right to who she was inside. She mm-hmm. couldn't she couldn't sort through it became such an obstacle. She couldn't sort through it or ask more information. How is that? How could that be true? You know, it's not wrong that we get triggered. It's you know, it's also imp- information, I guess, right? It is, yeah. Trigger because triggers lead us to make mistakes. And you say, well, why not get triggered if somebody's not correct or the person lacks credibility or if it's, what if it's just a big gut punch to my self-esteem? Isn't it fair for me just to put up the obstacles? Well, we're not talking about fairness. We're talking about growth. And there may be a nugget of information that you can't get any other way. Well, it's hard to get information, I think, when we feel closed off. The minute we shut down or we get really defensive, then we're kind of done listening, right? right. I mean, that, 
I think I did a whole podcast in our last um, season one about just listening and the gift of being a good listener. And this sort of feels like it comes side by side with that because a good listener asks questions and, you know, is reflective and listens with an open heart and tries to see the other person's side and all that kind of good stuff. And so this feels in line with the, the gift of being a good listener for others, but also really importantly for yourself too. And I think the other thing, so, so, okay, let me summarize how we can get better at being a good listener for um, our listeners and myself, or I'm sorry, um, (laughs) receiving good feedback. So knowing some of your triggers, are you someone who gets more triggered with a lack of truth that you hear? Is that, you know, truth within the conversation? Um, the, the person, the source, the relationship, and then does it trigger something that causes you to feel like it goes against your own identity? Is that, did I say those, did I say that right? Absolutely. Okay. So we want to understand those. We want to come to the conversation curious and like a reporter and try to find out as much information as we can. Um, and and then kind of see this as an opportunity, no matter who it's coming from, to see it as an opportunity of growth. Anything else that I missed in terms of how we can be better at receiving feedback? The only other thing is um, identifying your family history. It is really good to spend a little time with uh, not just your family history, your overall history of feedback so that you know, like if you're touchy, he probably came by it honestly. So and the other thing is if you're um, either a blame absorber where you have a tendency to think everything is all your fault, that's not true. Uh, neither is it to be a blame shifter and not be willing to accept. I just talked to a client today who had a, several arguments with her boyfriend uh, over the course of the weekend, and neither of them could remember who started it, but she had the good grace to say, I'm really sorry we started the day that way. I'm sorry for my part. And he just said, well, thank you. <laughs> and he never, he just uh, was an unwilling to acknowledge his part. And, yeah. and that, that didn't sit well. Um, another thing I think that's, uh, I, I just want to throw in is that another tendency that we have is once we're receiving feedback, we have a tendency to throw in some other string of an argument or a dissatisfaction with that person. We bring it up while they're giving us feedback. And that's an important thing to avoid doing because now you need to do that at a separate time. (laughs) Right. Okay. Okay. I, I definitely know you know, I'm sure when PJ said you're messy, I'm sure I said, well, you know what you never do? You never rinse the food down in the sink after we do dishes. There's always food in the sink and that drives me nuts. And it's like, you know, there was a little bit of back and forth. Well, you do this and then you do this. And so that was not that I was, I, I, I definitely handled that. Not the way Patty would have handled that, but, um, but I'm learning. And you so find yourself doing that, catch yourself and just say, I realized I put another topic on the table. Mm-hmm. Both are important. Let's talk about yours first. Let's talk about the messiness mm-hmm. that I create for you. And then when we're done with that and you feel completely heard, can we talk about you leaving the food? <laughs> okay. So I can bring it up. I'm just, I just have to make sure we've got it all cleared out on his end first. Okay. That makes very good sense. 
One other thing I'd like to just say is uh, what a gift to model this for our children to be able to do these things um, and, and help them see how we can have uh, helpful conversations, great communication, and also allow them the opportunity to give us feedback too. I think that that's, you know, tell me one thing that I've been, maybe tell me one way, little Henry, that I could be a better parent to you, you know, and I'm sure he'd come up with something funny, but, um, but either way, I think that that's a really awesome opportunity is to, you know, reprogram our, or give kids this new programming that maybe we didn't really receive, you know, about feedback. If your kids can hear you and PJ say to one another, when you're giving feedback, oh, tell me more. Hey, thanks for that feedback. Tell me more. Tell me more. Mm-hmm. It's, it starts looking less threatening. Yeah. And they've, I don't think they've ever heard it. So it'll be a nice little, they'll, their ears will perk up and they'll all pay attention to us. Um, this will get easier with time. I'm assuming the more we practice it, um, the better it will get. I think yes. the, another way this leads back to self-care is it really feels good to handle ourselves so wisely. And so, I mean, it feels mature to me. Um, it feels respectful versus the defensiveness, um, the resentfulness, like that kind of feeling and how I leave a conversation um, often feels more like shame. And so I think that to me feels like a wonderful way to care for myself within my relationship. So I really, really appreciate um, this insight. I agree with you. And I I think it is a hard thing. And I think when we show ourselves that we can do hard things and we can be successful, it is also very empowering. Yes. It also helps to have therapists like yourself to walk us through these things. So (laughs) we're so happy to have you here on the Love You More podcast, Patty. Thank you so much for your time and your wisdom and your joy. And good luck, everybody, receiving better feedback. Love you more. 